As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Spin Rate, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. That's right, this is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. We are so glad to have you listening here after another uh, productive, I guess, weekend of Blue Jays baseball, winning the games that they need to win. Um, I, I don't know about anybody else who's listening to this, but even taking two of three feels a little dicey right now. there's that sense, even though the Blue Jays are in a good position, that they've got to win every game. But that's not realistic. That's not baseball. And that's why we bring in the most realistic Blue Jays reporter, writer, columnist around. She is the co-host of Spin Rate. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. She works for The Athletic. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Busy weekend again. I feel like they all are feeling, they're all blurring into one another because I feel like they're all kind of becoming the same. The Blue Jays Mm -hmm. just win now. They consistently win. Um, But this was an exciting weekend. Having the twins in town, the first time we're seeing the twins. What a weird scheduling quirk that the first time we're seeing the twins is this week. And then next week, the Blue Jays immediately go to Minnesota and play them again. Seven games um, against the twins in the final two weeks. Um, but obviously, very yeah. Odd. Very odd. Same with the Tigers, right? Like, it's it doesn't feel – I don't know if – it's just another black mark against the unbalanced schedule, if you asked, if you asked me, but – I've interrupted your train of thought. I was just going to say it was it was always it's always interesting when like you know former players, especially ones as popular as Josh Donaldson, come back. And obviously, uh, I know we're going to talk about him a little bit today, but the reception that he got throughout the weekend, um, fans, you know, still very much, um, very much appreciate what Josh did um, when he was a Blue Jay, and it was uh, you know interesting to have him back. I've been at the games a few times when he's come back previously with the Braves um, and now with the Twins. And um, this one was interesting because a lot of talk um, or a lot of people, I should say, a lot of the media were really interested to talk to Josh Donaldson just because of the things that are happening, the things that are trending with the current Blue Jays right now and how they are so reminiscent of things that were happening in 2015 when he was on the team. So, yeah, it was a very kind of interesting time for him to be back in Toronto, I thought. Absolutely, and he's a a beloved figure 
in Toronto Blue Jays history, which is a something, as, as you said, I think that we're going to have to get into. And I don't want to waste any time getting into that. But before I do get into that, before we do dive into this weekend that was, where it's, it's like you said, the Blue Jays just win now, but there's also like a million storylines going on because of the importance of the games. And like, as, as I said, like they, this is two Fridays in a row that they've lost. And then it's like, oh boy, they lost the Friday game. Now they got to win two in a row if they want to win this series. And they've, or in the last week's case, it was three in a row, but, uh, but they've done it. But at the same time, there's just so many kind of threads to unravel. But before we get into that, I want to keep the thread of, uh, of self-promotion and, and housekeeping going through the beginning part of the show as we do every week, which we do, of course, spin right here twice a week, which if you want to listen to this show, if you are just coming back around to the Blue Jays as they're making this rush to the postseason, welcome. We're glad to have you here on the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. We want you to, sub- to subscribe. We do two of these a week. And the Blue Jays are playing lots of baseball games. They don't have an off day until when? Next week, right? Next Monday. So they are playing seven games in seven days. So this is the time to get in, to subscribe to Spin Rate, to head over to wherever you get, you, you get your podcast, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or anywhere like that. Hit us with the subscription. Hit us with the like, the thumbs up, the review. Do all the things that you can do to help get our show in front of people who might be interesting and looking, because that's, uh, you know, it's the name of the game here. Speaking of the name of the game, the name of the game is The Athletic, and we want you to subscribe to read all of the amazing things that Caitlin is reading, read what, uh, what Lindsay's writing about the Yankees, read what Jen McCaffrey's writing about the Red Sox. You want to know what's going on in the American League wildcard chase. There's no better place to do it than The Athletic. There's no better place to get hooked up than at theathletic.com slash spinrate. Subscribe to the to the Athletic if you haven't already. Become one of the thousands, thousands upon thousands across the world who subscribe to the Athletic. They'll give you a tidy discount, and they'll let you will let them know that we sent you, which means a lot to me personally, as uh, someone who doesn't, you know, work for the Athletic technically. But here we are. I mean, I do. We do this because we love it, but. Also for other reasons, but here we, <laughs> but here we go. Anyway, well, you know, I get paid to do this. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, the athletic sends you a check. I feel like that's they do. Somewhat... They do. I don't have an athletic email address. I don't have a blue check. I can't like weasel my way in that way. I haven't figured out a way yet. But uh, you don't have the, you don't have the athletic swag that I that I have. No, you've got cool shirts and like bags and stuff. I don't have any of that stuff. But that's okay. I'll get We're, you a shirt. Lo- I'll get you a hmm? shirt. I'll get you a shirt. Hit, hit me up. Send it up here to <laughs> Bloody Orangeville, where I live. The Toronto Blue Jays. What, what I wanted to do is, I said there are so many threads to unravel uh, any given weekend, especially you know a series that kind of went to went to plan. Blue Jays take two of three from Minnesota. They uh, get some a really great pitching performance from Jose Barrios. They had some nice bullpen performances. They um, scored a bunch of runs in a hurry to kind of put the Sunday game on ice early, which was nice. Uh, got a bit of a scare, uh, I think. Maybe is that fair to say? A scare on Saturday afternoon in terms of uh, not really getting any kind of offense going. What was his name? Braden Obi? Brad, Brad Obi? Some, he, um, he came in pitching really well, like not walking. I think he, I, I looked, he had 37 strike, 36 strikeouts, three walks in his previous like seven starts, which is that's pretty daunting. And you got a huge dude, doesn't throw too hard. But of all these threads, I want to do, we're just going to go name by name. I've, I've written down some names some things and some people we can talk about, some storylines we can pick up. And as you mentioned, the first name on the list, as luck would have it, Josh Donaldson. 
So quite a, quite a weekend uh, culminating with a very interesting and, and quite a delightful scene with uh, Josh Donaldson and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. swapping jerseys at home plate, something you might see you see more typically in an um, international soccer or uh, or uh, even just like club club games, but but not that often. But uh, it's really cool. They both signed autographs, and I think there was uh, I don't know who had the quote. Uh, they were saying that Vlad had I don't know it might have been post game. Vlad said something about Donaldson just said keep going, keep doing your thing, and and keep at it, and uh, just obviously a lot of mutual respect between those two great players, but also between Donaldson and the Blue Jays fans, as you said, this wasn't his first time back, but. Got a great ovation, doffed his cap, and then he hit a bunch of home runs. He really, really played well as, as he's continued to do all, all this week or all this season, his whole career. And as a late bloomer, Josh Nelson <clears throat> is a great player and has been for a long time, as Blue Jays fans know so well. But uh, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Again, you kind of touched on a little bit. What do you think about um, a Josh Nelson killing the Blue Jays on Friday, and then but also continuing to kill them, but but seeming to have a, a lot of affinity for Toronto, you know, even after his departure was maybe a little bit acrimonious between the front office and and he. Yeah, I remember when he came back with the Braves, and that was a much bigger deal because it was his first time back, and obviously that was like pre-COVID, so it was a bigger crowd or actually i mean the blue jays weren't a good team that year so i wonder how big the crowd is but i imagine it was bigger than what was there today um but uh yeah and like that was a bigger deal and you know i know that that was i remember you know being in a scrum with him and he talked about sort of that being uh, a bit of closure that he wanted you know to come back and sort of just close that chapter of his life um and coming back with the twins was just different because again it was not his first time back the twins are you know not having a good season this year he's having a fine year himself i think like you said he's pretty consistent at this point um but you know there's just you know, there's actually quite a bit of um respect i guess between um the twins and the blue jays in the sense that like you have Brios who was with the twins for so long and he's uh you know obviously good friends with them and then you had um vladdy and josh donaldson you know showing that friendship that they have um together so having josh donaldson um back in town this weekend it was you know it was it was kind of nice i think the fans were just able to enjoy it because um, they're, they're not two teams that are necessarily contesting with each other right now any more than just think the fact that they're two team, two teams playing against each other, but certainly not any bit of rivalry between these teams at all. So, um, as you said, he got standing ovations all three days. Um, the first one was, um, the one that he sort of acknowledged the most in the sense that he took off his helmet he looked to the crowd and, you know, did that whole thing that is, you know, customary, um, that players do but then the second two times he he did acknowledge that not as much as the first one um you know probably just because he's an opponent he doesn't want to like you know steal the spotlight too much from the team i would imagine but you know he did get um he did look like he really appreciated it i think that um you know for a player like josh donaldson um who he was what he meant to toronto i mean not a lot of players get to experience that like over their career right like he obviously won the MVP here. And when you win an MVP, you know, that's going to endear you to a fan base for a really long, to- really long time. And not only that, but that MVP season um, also came along with getting, propelling the Blue Jays back to the postseason after so long. And so that was such a magical year for him individually, for the team, for the city, like for everyone involved. And so um, I think that that gives Josh Donaldson such a unique connection that really not many players necessarily have with teams um, and especially not many players have with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. And so, 
you know, it did it did seem like he really appreciated the the crowd support and and all of that. So that was cool to see. It must be cool for Josh Donaldson <laughs> to go somewhere and not be uh, hated. Yeah. Uh, because like. Everybody here loves Josh Donaldson for good reason. Again, he was an incredible player. An incredible player in 2015, won the MVP. Incredible player in 2016, had another great season. 2017 season was a little bit uh, uh, obscured. He was hurt uh, through May, and then he kind of struggled for a bit. But like he still ended the season with insane numbers if you go back and look and especially if you look at that that year there was like the final 50 games of the year josh donaldson had an 1100 ops he had 22 home runs in the in 50 games right he had a 302 410 seven like basically 700 uh, slugging percentage insane right and 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 then of course 2018 he was hurt and didn't play and then it all kind of blew up a little bit but the other thing about Josh Donaldson is trouble finds Josh Donaldson. He gets himself into a whole bunch of shit all the time. He is the he is the guy who obviously endears himself to home fans. Obviously does you know doesn't play any other way but the one the only way he knows he is he his ass pretty red. He is a bit of a red ass, right? But it, but he he gets saluted and then he keeps doing his thing. And and again, a guy who is in his late thirties now or mid to late thirties and got signed a, a, a really nice contract with Minnesota and I don't think he or anybody in Minnesota anticipated them being so goddamn bad this year because uh it's all just really gone off the rails but just to see it's good to see him still contributing and and again that thing with Vlad was just really cool and uh it goes back to this this long running thing that especially if you are on on my newsletter uh about Vladimir Guerrero Jr seems to be really really well liked around the game as well yeah, he and is. he seems to he is. If you watch, and I've written about this before, if you watch those two YouTube videos from when the Blue Jays played those YouTube games, and then he's mic'd up. Um, he seems to be a good citizen of within the game, and he has a good sense of of history, and he has a good sense of of what matters, and and like there's a there's an element of I I don't I wouldn't I would never say eyewash. I don't I'm not ready to say that, but the fact that they did it out at home plate after the game, not in the tunnel, it's not an accident. Right. Like, like I, I think that it's that he's a good guy because he, he knows it's good to be a good guy as well as being a, gen, a genuine good guy. That those quotes or those lines that uh, Geraldo Parra was, was talking about in that game against the Nats. He was like, he's a great player, but he's, even, he's, he's an even better guy. And here's Vlad asking Parra for a jersey. And he's like, yeah, I ordered it up. We'll hook you up. And just uh, it's, it's great to see. And uh it's especially because the Blue Jays did win two out of three, right? It gets real easy to be like, wow, Josh Donaldson, welcome back. We love you when he's playing for the irrelevant twins and all they're, they're just kind of laying down like dogs for the Blue Jays as they chase uh, uh, the first uh, playoff return in, in five years since Josh Donaldson was at his height. So a good weekend, good vibes, good vibes around that, around that over the weekend. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's take another take another turn. I'm going to throw another name at you. The, the vibes are a little bit different around Hyunjin Ryu. Mm. Now you wrote about this on Saturday. Uh, a bit of a baffler in terms of just like what's going on with Ryu. He got an extra day of rest. I think that there was some hope that that was going to kind of cure what ailed him. But they Blue Jays have some questions to answer in terms of what they're going to do with Ryu from now until the end into the, uh, in, to the end of the season and potentially into the playoffs as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I wrote this and like, on the one hand, the Blue Jays are still in a pretty good spot because of just how good their starting pitching has been. Like they, if we're operating with Steven Matz as, you know, the fifth starter, I mean, he's been one of the best starters in the second half uh, in the American League. And so the Blue Jays are still in a good place overall because they've got four um, starters who are performing really well um, all at the same time. And there's not very many games left. So to cover off for Ryu um, right now, it's a little easier done, right? There's only a few games you really have to make up for him. Um, But on the other hand, like if you're the Blue Jays, it would be much better to have all five of your starters going well. And one of those starters being Hunjin Ryu, because we've seen him be really good this year. Like in the first half, um, he was kind of the typical Ryu that we've come to expect. And, you know, only a couple weeks ago in in New York, he looked really good. He looked, you know, it wasn't an especially long start. It was six innings, but he was pretty, you know, tough to square up. He didn't, it was a scoreless outing. So you sort of thought that he almost turned the corner there. And then the last two um, back-to-back have been his worst starts of the season, his shortest starts of the season. And um, he just really hasn't been able to do anything with the baseball, right? It just looks like he's just kind of serving it up for them, as as bad as that is to say. Like, um, he just really hasn't looked himself at all. And so that's when the questions start coming is like, is something wrong, right? Like, mm-hmm. you have to – It's because with a guy like Ryu, I mean, he's – over his career, he's been so consistent. Like he doesn't usually have these stretches where like something is is wrong um, with his pitches. Like he his command has always been who he was um, and how he succeeds. And if you're a guy like Ryu and you are not throwing ninety five or ninety six, you're throwing ninety. Um, it's you know you can't really get away with missing your spots um, over the heart of the plate because it's not like he's walking anybody. No, right? He's not walking the ballpark and, and nibbling and, and trying to get guys to swing and miss it at junk. He's just like you said, serving it up and missing over the fat part of the plate with stuff that's not moving and stuff that's not fooling anybody. And it's it's really puzzling. And and the uh, I keep coming back to the, that start in New York that you referenced where he did throw a lot of cutters where a, cut, a pitch that hadn't really worked for him this year um, that he's gone back to and, and he had, or he went back to in that start and got some good, really good results with it. So I guess that the question now becomes Caitlin with Hyunjin Ryu going on the injured list with a neck strain quote unquote. I'm, I, those are my quotes. The, the Blue Jays general manager Ross Atkins said it was like, Oh yeah, he woke up and his neck was, was filled with shittiness. I mean, no, that was his arm. I mean, no, his neck is hurt. But I guess that what's the question? Like, so what's what's left for the Blue Jays to do? Is is it are they going to just soldier on and uh, 
pretend like the or act as though the rest of the season is without Hyunjin Ryu. Again, a ten day stint if it starts retroactive to the to whenever he last pitched, which would have been the eighth, the seventeenth, I guess. Um, there is, uh, you know, maybe there's some time to to sneak him back in and get him a start before the end of the season. I don't know what what. How do you think they're going to proceed, depending on how this all this next neck strain shakes out? Yeah. So in the immediate time. Um, his next start would have been Wednesday. And, you know, that, as we were talking about before, like that start to me was even in question. Like obviously when he came out of his last start, the the line of questioning from us in the media to Charlie Montoyo was, you know, is he going to make his next start? Do you consider skipping him, giving him a breather, anything like that? And, you know, an, a couple hours after the start, Montoyo's not necessarily going to have the answer and he's not going to tell us before he tells Ryu, right? So um, I think the start in, on Wednesday was in question regardless of how he, if he went on the IL or not. Now he, we know he's on the IL, so he's not making that start. So it's going to be a bullpen day. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, the, the sort of straightforward thing the Blue Jays would do is just start Ross Stripling, let him go for three, four innings, whatever he can do, and then you build out from there. I think, you know, in celebration that they'll be playing the Rays, maybe they go for like an opener type. Like maybe they let Pearson go out there. Does Pearson Could Pearson pitch like an inning or two? Then you bring in Ross Stripling after, and then you're bridging it a little bit further, and then you could go to your whoever is available in your bullpen that day. I think that could also work. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Blue Jays tried that um, just to get a little creative. Depends on how the series goes. Depends on like sort of what, what the stakes are in, in the game and whatnot. But as you said before, I mean, pretty much everyone matters at this point. So um, that's what they would do in the interim. So they do have some options. And like, yeah, Thomas Hatch um, is a potential. I, I think he previously just pitched uh, for Buffalo a couple days ago. So he, mm. I don't know that he'd be available like for Wednesday. But if uh, if. Ryu's injury is going to extend beyond the 10 days, then yeah, perhaps then Thomas Hatch becomes an option if they don't want to um, take Stripling out of the bullpen role, if they want him to stay in that like long man role uh, where he could be really useful. So, but you know, beyond that, like it is an interesting question. I would, I would, my, my thinking would be like, let's just say the Blue Jays are in a position where they, you know, clinch a playoff spot a couple days before the end of the season. So if they play really well against the Yankees um, in a really good position in that last series um, against Baltimore and that final game doesn't necessarily matter, I think you could see Ryu get that start. And the way that it was going, he was kind of lined up. Like that could have mm-hmm. been his day anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, that to me is a possibility. I think that if that game is especially meaningful, if they need to win that game, then you're probably bringing Robbie Ray back on short rest to, to win that game. Um, but that's in a scenario where the Blue Jays, you know, are in a must-win game to push their season forward. So um, it's not an easy solution. And with Ryu, like, I don't know that you're going to, like, snap your fingers and find a solution with so much little time. Um, I, I do think, it, to me, like, and we'll have this conversation probably later on if they get there, but to me, like, the more interesting question is, like, do you use him in the playoffs if you get there? If you get to like an ALDS series, right? If you're going a mm-hmm. longer series, I mean, where does Ryu fit in that conversation? Because I don't know that he's uh, would be especially useful from the bullpen. Um, but he's a guy that you're paying, uh, what, $40 million for the next two years. Like, does he not go on your playoff roster? Like, that's a really tough conversation to have, too. I think that that maybe is a bit of cover that the injured list move 
can give the front office if they really are looking for it, which is to say, like, we're not going to put you on the on the on the uh, on the playoff roster because you are just hurt and haven't you know been stretched out or whatever. You need a rehab starter, and and especially in the in the AL in the in those division series that are shorter series. So you you have a, a presumably have a rotation that's lined up and set up in a way where, given that the Blue Jays have four starters that they can rely on. Um, it, to bring back to 2015 again, as we often do, is the Mark Burley. Mark Burley was there in the in the dugout, clapping his hands and cheering, and not making any of those starts. He was just there hanging out. Um, again, the guy who came back on short rest, as we some will remember, in an attempt to get to 200 innings, and then he couldn't get out of the first. The poor bastard against the Rays at the end of the year. But uh, yeah, it's I'm I, I, again I I think the Blue Jays are better when, with Hyunjin Ryu if he's right and he, and he's good and capable of being what he can be. Um, um, he can really baffle a, a, a lineup as we've seen so much over the last two years. So hopefully, from a Blue Jays perspective, he's able to get right and come back and and put many of these silly debates to bed. Let's move on to the next name, which is a very real name that is not made up. <laughs> it is uh, Mark Oscar Samanchet, uh, because I couldn't figure out who was like the the guy this weekend. Because there were so many players who came up with timely hits, uh, you know, even though Bobby Shed hit his, he had the big hit here on Sunday, which was in the first inning, right, a three-run home run. Um, Marcus Simeon hit his 40th home run uh, of the season. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez hit another home run, you know, as the Blue Jays piled on some runs there on Saturday. Um, and uh, oh, I forgot the junior part. Mark Oscar Semenja Jr. Lourdes Gurriel, of course, came up with some more big hits. Uh, the Blue the they are firing all cylinders, and it's it's kind of something that we talked about before, which was, you know, when Guriel's going, when when Teoscar is, is is going as he's gone all season, Marcus Simeon is hitting for so much power. Uh, the lineup is really really scary. So so that's that's me kind of spreading the praise around. Who would you say if you were thinking about a, who was the guy that that this this weekend and maybe back into the last week? Who's the one guy who's like he's the, he's been he's been the one. He's the straw that stirs the drink other than the really big straw that is the the drink itself um that's a good question um i i i can't pronounce the name you just wrote but i agree with the sentiment around the fact that it is hard to pin down i mean actually like lourdes gurriel um was maybe the sort of the previous couple series. Um, Bichette really um, had a nice series. Uh, he had a nice game on Sunday hitting the home run. It's funny because Bichette always will insist, um, you know, he doesn't consider himself a home run hitter and he's not really going up there and, you know, looking for power or anything, but he's up to like 26 home runs this year, mm-hmm. um, which is a pretty nice number. <laughs> Marcus um, Simeon has 40. Yeah. What the fuck? Sorry. <laughs> That's crazy to me. <laughs> Yeah, and Teoscar Hernandez is, like, continuously going to be maybe the most underrated Blue Jay um, mm-hmm. this season, next season, for however long. I mean, he's, um, you know, he's had him himself a really nice year. And it's funny because, uh, you know, him and Vlad are going back and forth with the RBI, the team RBI lead. And, like, Teoscar was joking, like, that, if it comes down to Vladdy winning the triple crown and, you know, obviously if the game isn't super meaningful, Teoscar will like ask Charlie like, Hey, I, I can sit this day and l- let Vlad, <laughs> <laughs> let Vlad get those RBIs. That's funny. Um, 
obviously uh, that would be only in the context of it not being a highly meaningful game, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So probably talking about those last games against the Orioles, again, if the Blue Jays are in a position where um, those games won't matter. Um, but it's, you know, I think that's the strength of this team. And that's what, that's something that has come up a lot more recently as the players were saying that where they credit this are, you know, partly where they credit this uh, offensive surge that they've been on this last month has been the fact that no one guy feels like he has to do it. You know, like no one guy feels like I got to be the guy today. And like when they were struggling, like Boba said something like, you, you know, you're going up there feeling like you have to hit a two run home run with no one on base. Like mm-hmm. that was the pressure guys were feeling um, when they weren't scoring runs those last couple weeks in August. Um, and since they got out of that, um, the story of this offensive um, performance has been, you know, how one through nine um, have been performing well. Everyone's had their moment. Everyone's had their series, their game, uh, their inning, whatever it may be. Like, um, you can point to anyone on the roster right now, and they're all sort of feeling that. Um, and they're mm-hmm. feeling like, I don't got to be the guy today. Even Vlad, like, Vlad's been the guy so much, so often this year. But even he's saying, like, they're not, we're not, no one's feeling the pressure. Everyone knows that, you know, you're just passing the baton at this point, and it's all working. And, and that to me actually is like, kind of how the whole team's going right now. The offense is doing it really well, but you have starting pitching outside of Ryu. Like, they're all passing the baton, right? They're doing a good job. They're building off each other. Um, And the bullpen has really righted itself. And now Charlie's got that real good established kind of sequence that he goes to. Like, he's got that core, like, group of guys, like Richard, Simber, Meza, Mm -hmm. uh, to Romano. Um, And that's been really working. Obviously, Soria goes in there sometimes. He's now, I think he's on the, one of the, I don't know which list. The family emergency list, I think, was the one I was trying to figure. There's so many lists. There's like the paternity list and there's a restricted (laughs) list and there's the family emergency list. But um, so he wasn't around, but (laughs) he's in that group as well. Sorry. I have a bit of a cough. Um, Love a shout out to Trevor Richards, by the way, who I shared a stat uh, today. He, he pitched, he faced four batters. He pitched an inning and a third, faced four batters or got four batters out. Struck out three of them. He threw five pitches in the strike zone, and he struck out three guys. But that's not, I mean, that's a, a as an aside note, that's a shout-out to, to Trevor Richards. But I really like the way that that, that Charlie Montoya, it, Richards seems like the guy that he, I don't know if trust the most, he's the guy that I, you see the earliest he's while the, it's still he, an important game. He'll he, be like, the I need Richards now. Yeah, he's the first guy out. He's really established himself as like the first guy out of the pen. So like mm-hmm. they don't mind going to him when there's two on or when there's, you know, two out and one on or whatever. Like I don't know that like he I don't know that he's like the highest leverage guy in the sense of like maybe the eighth inning guy like Amaza is handling more because the game's maybe more on the line then, but that doesn't really apply necessarily. Like the game could be on the line at any point. And I do agree with you, like and I asked, I actually asked Charlie about Trevor Richards today just because, you know, I did notice that I noticed two things. One is that, as you say, he's kind of continuously been the guy that they go to first. Uh, they really trust him to get out of jams and to do so pretty efficiently. Um, and the other thing I noticed was that, you know, you mentioned him throwing, um, you know, a bunch of pitches and not many were in the zone, but some of the swings on, you know, especially his changeup are just such bad swings. Like they're ugly swings. Like guys do not, like he just keeps guys off balance so well. Like guys do not know what's coming and they look silly. Like, and it's even Josh Donaldson was up there, I think. And he made Josh Donaldson look really silly with a swing. And it was like, Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah. And Charlie just basically said like, that's what he does. He has the change up. He, you know, he keeps guys off balance really well. And yes, he's kind of worked himself into that high leverage role with, which, um, 
you know, he's been handling really well. Him and him and Adam Simber, um, they weren't maybe the flashiest trades, um, but I do think that they uh, kind of low-key really helped save this, se- this season for the Blue Jays. 100%. 100%. You'd be a fool to argue that, I, I, I would say. Uh, I think that it's they're, they're, obviously they're, they're visually different, like the way that, that – that uh, that they that they throw and Simber's approach is is maybe maybe more like the one we saw from Richards today, where like Simber is the kind of guy that gets you to take strikes and swing at balls, but but Trevor Richards is the kind of guy who typically and and that, that's something I usually I like about him. I love I love a guy like that who just often just throws the ball straight down the middle of the plate, and sometimes it's ninety two, and sometimes it's eighty one. And it's like, figure out which one it is. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. And you're going to look like an idiot. But he, that wasn't who he was today. But he was still here on Sunday. But still uh, still super effective. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jordan Romano, who, who, while I, I applaud and I really I like the way that they use Trevor Richards and they deploy him in. in sometimes you see him come out in the fifth inning, in the sixth inning, as you said, the first guy out, um, runners on base. Uh, Jordan Romano is a luxury in a lot of ways because he's been so good because he's so dominant. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like, you know, there was a a situation against the Yankees a few weeks back where before Nate Pearson had really kind of hit his stride, which I I, I think we could say he's kind of in the process of doing in the bullpen. Um, I was hope, you know, it was a three run lead against the Yankees team that looked dead that had only scored the one run on that bird, three runs on that sort of random Brett Gardner home run. And I was like, I'd love to see Pearson out now. You know, it's a three run game facing the ass end of the Yankees order. Don't see it. And then, you know, here Saturday, again, there's a four-run lead, which, you know, sometimes you think, I feel like Charlie Montoya maybe manages to the save stat a little bit too much. But then there comes Romano running out with a four-run lead. Um, number one, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you about, so you wrote, uh, obviously, about about him. Um, but, like, how do you feel about the way that he's being used? Is, is it, I mean, Saturday, I, I was also understandable. He needed some work potentially as well, right? So it's, it's a tough balance to strike, but um, how do you feel about the way that Jordan Romano is used and just the fact that he's so reliable that you can put him out there? It's like, we need, you know, this game needs to be over. So out comes Romano. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand that Charlie has said, and Romano has said, like, he's, feeling really good right now and he's kind of asking for the ball um a little bit and like there was an instance um a couple games ago where like Charlie had kind of said Char- uh, Romano was not available but then he was up and throwing I don't I think they didn't end up having to use him um but it was a it was a scenario where like that was on Jordan saying no I can go like if you need me I can go and so 
to me, I suspect a little bit is that he's kind of asking for the ball and he wants to be in there and he wants the work and he's maybe kind of liking how he's pitching right now and doesn't want to go too many days um, without getting the ball. And I think part of it is asking, like he wants to be part of those wins. I think part of it is just Montoyo realizing how important these wins are um, and, you know, not really wanting to get too cute at all at this time of the year mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where you can you can kind of see the argument of that just also given the sort of like background of what the bullpen had gone through earlier this year (laughs) and like you know how disastrous it would be to have you know romano sitting in the bullpen and you you bring in someone else and they don't get the job done and Mm -hmm. um and so i think as long as jordan romano is like saying he's good and saying he can take the ball and the thing with him is he's also been pretty dominant as you say and and i would say i haven't looked exactly what his like pitch counts have been but to just mm. based on me watching it seems like he's been pretty efficient like he had that he's he had that couple games where he was giving up the long ball and just kind of a little blip on his season but lately he's been pretty efficient i know he had a walk today um but he got out of it or no it, oh, sorry hit by pitch hit by pitch sorry I think he only threw 10 pitches today. He did. And that was throwing to four guys, wasn't it? Because he did mm-hmm. put someone on um, when he hit them. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to argue with, with that uh, that kind of ultimate backstop. And if he, when he's young and he's rubber-armed and he wants to throw and he wants to be out there. And obviously, as you wrote this week, it means a little bit more to him because this is like, this is the kind of situation that he kind of grew up dreaming of. Right to be part of the Blue Jays team, which is it's it's weird to think about that now. There, these are there's a whole generation of kids who who grew up wanting to play for the Blue Jays, and and well, there's two generations actually, and now he, guys like Jordan Romano were able to live it out. So, uh, what what do you think all this means to him? Again, you wrote this story about his about his origins, about his about his youth. Uh, seems like a guy who's just like all in on the, being a Toronto Blue Jay. Yeah, I mean, like the story kind of touched on it. Like his parents obviously grew up Blue Jays fans and they were a Blue Jays family. Like they uh, went to games when he was a kid and, you know, he remembers going down and running on the field um, for Junior Jays days. And so there's a, yeah, there's a lot of sort of like deeper meaning for Jordan. And I think it's funny because I wrote about it and I think it kind of goes under the radar that he's Canadian. I think we all know it on the surface that we know he's Canadian. And of course, at the Rogers Center when you're there there was a little maple leaf beside his name so to indicate he's Canadian and when he comes out for the ninth inning they have a special sort of video package for him especially where um they show some of his highlights and then it's kind of uh, there's like a maple leaf that's kind of I don't know superimposed on the highlights so you're they're constantly kind of showing that so um they do make a point of celebrating that he is from Canada that he's from Markham Ontario he's you know, hometown boy. But I just think that like, um, more so he's just kind of looked at as like a a really dominant closer for the team. And I think people Mm -hmm. sort of underlook the fact that like he is, he totally is, but it's also really cool that he's also a Canadian he's from, you know, not too far away. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of just wanted to explore that. And, you know, as he said in the piece, like he does try to soak it in and um, take it all in. And, you know, Jordan, I'll say, I didn't write this in the piece. It didn't make the piece, but he's done this a lot of times is Jordan's one of the guys that after he's done his pregame, you know, stretch and catch and all this stuff and all their, they're done all their work. um, Jordan's definitely one of the guys that spends a lot of time signing autographs for fans. Um, He was out there for like, 
I don't even know how long, 20 minutes today, probably just signing, going just down um, the line, um, just signing autographs. So it does mean a lot to him. I think, I think he, um, you know, potentially knows how, knows exactly how those kids feel in the stands that are looking at him and wanting him to like, you know, sign a ball or sign a jersey or whatever it may be. Um, cause he's kind of been there. He's idolized players. Um, you know, former Blue Jays as well. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a really fun story to work on. If you haven't read it, please read it. I talked to his parents. Um, I talked to Jordan. I talked to his bullpen coach. Um, and so, yeah, the piece is up. You can read all about Jordan uh, and how he kind of got to this place. Uh, you, of course, want to subscribe to The Athletic if that's what you're going to do, if I haven't mentioned that before, which I did. But uh, theathletic.com slash spin rate if you want to read this lovely story about Jordan Romano, who making me feel so old now because I'm thinking about, oh, he's Junior J and he's down there getting autographs <laughs> from ball players, And I was like, he's down there getting Scott Downs autograph or Jason <laughs> Fraser or Scott Schoenweiss. Like, you know, 13-year-old. <laughs> so the only thing that works in the advantage is that Jordan Mount is a little bit older than like a guy with his experience. You know, he's 28. Um, so, so, you know, the 20, 2006 Blue Jays, Jordan Mount is like 13 watching uh, uh, one of the most underrated ball clubs in club history. He won 87 games that year with uh, given way too many starts to um, <laughs> to some terrible, to Josh Towers. Oh, God, awful. What a great team, though. 2006 Blue Jays, shout out. He was 13 years old, rocking out to, to Slipknot when B.J. Ryan comes <laughs> running out of the bullpen. But anyway, go check out Caitlin's story. Now, here's a name that's on the list that is a player who does not play for the Toronto Blue Jays. But his name is now has been linked closely to the Toronto Blue Jays for the last however long because we have not really talked a lot about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. so far, uh, sort mostly by by design as I've been trying to dancing around it, getting waiting us waiting to get us here, um, which is the name on the list is Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani pitched today Sunday for the Los Angeles Angels against the Oakland A's, who are a team with playoff aspirations just behind. Uh, the Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, kind of uh, Hydra or whatever you want to call it, a triceratops, three-headed beast. Uh, and Shohei Otani threw eight innings. He gave up two runs. He struck out ten batters. Uh, but he's not the guy that people are talking about. They're, they're, the MVP debate has grown, and there is a debate because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had three hits today. He had his 46th home run the other day. Uh, where are you, Caitlin, on the MVP de- debate Vis-a-vis Vladimir Guerrero Jr. versus Shohei Otani as they battle atop the American League MVP uh, race. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm like in on the debate, but I am. I'm sort of like observing the debate is maybe how I would put it. Like, um, I think that a lot of people, a lot of voters potentially have just already decided they're going to vote for Shohei Otani. And I think that's fine because I think what he's doing is incredible. Like that has to be said. um, And that has to be acknowledged. What he is doing has been incredible. And I understand that he has slowed down, down the stretch. I understand that he's not as much as a well-rounded hitter as Vlad. um, But the guy is pitching um, like the ace for his team. Uh, he is one of their best power hitters. Uh, he steals bases. He does a lot. Um, and I think the numbers back up him as an MVP. And I just think like what he's doing is so cool that it deserves the acknowledgement. At the same time, 
I do hear how Vlad um, is kind of making this more of a debate or making it more of a conversation down the stretch. Yes, he's hitting, you know, as good as he's been hitting all season down the stretch here. Um, That, I think, is what is making people think about it a little bit more. I think the fact that the Blue Jays are playing a lot better right now, Blue Mm -hmm. Jays are right in the mix, that to me, and I I thought that this would happen. Like, I thought throughout the season when we're talking about Shohei Otani and Vlad, and I always kind of said, like, you know, when they asked me on radio spots and even when I've written about it a little bit, I've always kind of said it's probably Shohei's, um, you know, race to lose. But if the Blue Jays get into the uh, playoff spot or Vlad is really hot or if, if Vlad really helps them get into a playoff spot, I think it's more of a conversation. And I, that's essentially what's happening right now. Do I – I still think Shohei Otani will win. I am sort of – now thinking maybe it won't be a, a unanimous win. And only because I think that there's going to be some voters who are actually going to vote um, according to the fact that the Blue Jays are a better team than the Angels. And they're not going to be able to sort of ignore the two things um, of Vlad being the best hitter in baseball this season or the best hitter in the American League. Um, shout out Bryce Harper who's also having a under the radar great season. Insane um, under the radar. He's going to win the National League MVP. That's for sure. I know, but but people are not talking about it very much. Maybe no. because the Phillies are like such kind of a mess right now. Well, um, there's no there's no substitute to having a good first half. Right, good second halves are way easier to get overlooked than a great first half, which is part, a li- I think it's part of why we're still talking about a, why the Otani conversation, so many voters, like you said, have already like mentally cast their ballot because he had that great first half. If you flip Otani's season, like halves, I think it's an even more pitched debate right now. If Otani started as slow as he started being like league average for the last, you know, month or two months but then finished going bananas it would be hard for a bad team it would be hard to um it would be hard to 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 see him getting the same kind of unanimous love i think yeah and i you know i think that vlad will get i actually think that if the blue jays get to the playoffs and vlad's a big reason why which he will be um unless you know something happens um which i don't even think there's enough time for something to happen um, I, I think he'll get first place votes. Like, I think, um, I don't know that Sho- Shohei Otani will be unanimous at this point. Um, I think also if Vladdy hits 50 home runs, um, which is probably in the cards, there's still enough games, I think, uh, at the clip that he's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly if he wins the Triple Crown, which I don't know how likely that is. It's just like everything has to, like, the stars have to perfectly align for him to win the Triple Crown because mm-hmm. he's kind of hovering in that in that zone. But... Um, it's the RBIs I think that he has to make up that look a little hard to do right now. He's just he's not collecting the RBIs as much as he was before. Which is the ultimate indictment in my mind of a the triple crown narrative, which is mm-hmm. triple crowns are incredible. They're they're so rare. And before uh, Miguel Cabrera won his, the last one was in nineteen what sixty seven. Carl uh, 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 Carl that's a long time between things to happen, even in baseball, which is almost like a geological kind of pace. But the thing that Shohei Otani is doing has never happened before, ever, never, ever. Not even Babe Ruth. Get Babe Ruth's name out of your mouth. Like Shohei Otani is doing things that Babe Ruth has not done. And it's the fact that if you look at the wins above replacement leaderboard, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., depending on which one you look at, if you look at baseball reference, he's third on his own team. In, base, in, in wins above replacement. If you look at Fangraphs, he's number one, and his teammate is right behind him, number two. 
and that doesn't speak to Robbie Ray. You look at the look at the guys that Shohei Otani who pitched today and hit second and drew two walks. One was intentional. The guy hitting ahead of him, him was a rookie named Brandon Marsh who has a six seventy six OPS. The guy hitting after him is Phil Goslin who has a six eighty five OPS. Like the Angels are terrible. You can't fault Shohei Otani for the fact that the Angels are bad. If you took Shohei Otani, the pitcher, and moved him to the, and compare him to the Blue Jays starters, he's the second best starter on the Blue Jays. If you take Shohei Otani, the hitter, and move him to the Blue Jays, he's the second best hitter on the Blue Jays. He's having a similar season to Marcus Simeon in terms of average, right? Simeon's got like 10 points of average on him. Otani has like 30 points of on base and then like 550 points of, of, of slugging. He's a, he's got 44 home runs. He's got 23 steals. He is having an incredible season. And just because he doesn't have an 1100 OPS, just because his team is dog shit doesn't mean that he's not having an unbelievable season for the ages that demands recognition. And it isn't that to downplay anything that Vlad's done. Uh, it doesn't, but again, if, if, if Vlad finishes one RBI behind his own teammate, Teoscar Hernandez for the triple crown, or if he gets one ahead because his teammate takes a day off, <laughs> does that make that somehow greater than what this other guy has done playing in, in a different thing, pitching to like a 330 or two, 325 ERA over 100, uh, 100 innings, over 22 starts, making 600 plate appearances as like the second or third best hitter in the American League? Like these things are crazy that we're talking about. It's crazy to me that we're still talking about it because – because Vlad's having a great year, but what we talked about earlier today, who was the man this weekend? It was sort of the, the question that we were looking for. Who was the guy? And it was like, Bobby Shett had a big hit, and then he had another big hit. Mark Simeon had a big hit. You know, George Springer had a great at bat. Lourdes Gurriel's had all these great at bats. That's why the Blue Jays are, are in a position to, to get to the playoffs, not because of one guy. Guerrero is at the center of all of it, and none of it happens without Guerrero, who's on base all the time, more than Otani. But the Blue Jays aren't good exclusively because of Vlad, just like you can't expect Otani to make the Angels good all on his own. Because in, that said, if ever there was a guy to do it, it's the guy who is a top 25 pitcher in baseball and a top five hitter at the same time to me. That's, it's crazy. But I don't th- uh, I think you're right. And it won't be, I don't think it'll be unanimous. I thought it would. Um, but especially if he gets 50 home runs, I think it'll be close. But I really do think that Otani's going to get it. And I think that he deserves it. I think he deserves it. I think he'll get it. I think that Vlad would be happy. Um, Manny Ramirez to, won't be happy. <laughs> to lose to um, him because I know he's a big fan of what Shohei Otani has been doing. Um, and, you know, Vlad, Vlad's just a happy guy. So um, this is all to say that I do not have an MVP vote this year. So. Oh, well then. So that's, this is, you've not spoiled your ballot here on, on, on the show. <laughs> no, so, I well, have rookie, rookie of the Year. So. Well, Rookie of the Year. Well, that'll be an interesting one in the American League, I think. I'll have to do my research. You know you're going to get, you shouldn't have said that out loud. You're going to be getting people sending you emails. You're going to get the Manoa, the Manoa heads are going to come flying in. Yeah. <laughs> The last name on the list is another name that for a, pl- a person who does not play for the Blue Jays, but their name is Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone is, of course, the manager of the Yankees. The Yankees are in the middle of a uh, rough patch of uh, years, but the last month or so have been perplexing for the Yankees fans. Uh, the Yankees, as of right now, are on the outside looking in at the playoff picture. What do you think is going to happen, Caitlin, as we come down? I know you and I talked a little bit off the air, and you made a great, some great points about 
the Yankees have a really tough schedule coming home, as well mm-hmm. as being a disaster with a lowercase d. What do you think is going to happen to this race over the next two weeks? Yeah, I mean, when you looked at earlier, a couple of weeks ago or whatever it was, um, when you looked at the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and the Yankees, um, they all had like relatively manageable schedules. The Boston Red Sox had the easiest schedule. The Blue Jays were in the middle, and then the Yankees had a little bit tougher of a schedule. And it's interesting because the Yankees' schedule is getting tougher because one of the teams uh, they face is the Blue Jays, and Blue Jays are getting better. So they're like their record is getting better, so they are now a tougher opponent for the Yankees to play. Um, and so the Yankees end the season um, against Boston, then against the Blue Jays, and then against the Rays. And so if you're the Yankees, on the one hand, you can really directly control your fate because you have these games against teams you're chasing. Um, At the same time, that can completely backfire because if you don't handle those series, then you're giving teams you're chasing even more of a lead ahead of you. Um, So, you know, I observing the AL East the way that I have, and obviously I'm more hyper-focused on the Blue Jays and then I kind of keep one eye on the Yankees and one eye on the Red Sox a little bit. Um, But to me, like just kind of following those teams, the Yankees just – Outside of that 13-game stretch that they went on, I don't I don't see that they've gotten really out of their rut much this year. Like, it feels like whatever was kind of dragging them down in, in April and May hasn't really gone away. Like, they're not – they're a team that was built around power, and they're not hitting uh, for much power. I think this month has been better for them. They've hit more home runs this month. But – they're not doing it consistently. Um, they have a lot of defensive problems. They're not a good defensive oh team right now. Um, their pitching largely has been good. Garrett Cole did not have a good start today, which like, you know, hey, Robbie Ray, I think that <laughs> the Cy Young is looking better <laughs> and better um, for him. And so the Yankees, to me, have like continuously baffled. And the Red Sox, as much as they are a team that we did not expect for them to be here, they still are here. And I think that's the biggest credit you can give the Red Sox is that they have not gone away. And they've had a lot of reasons to go away. Like they have they have been sort of teetering on uh, the edge of collapse for, you know, like months now, like a couple months now. They've had kind of disaster after disaster. They've had bad losses. They've had really sloppy losses. They've had a COVID outbreak. They've just had, multiple you know, they lost <laughs> multiple, yeah, they've had multiple COVID out. The most recent one saw like, uh, you know, quite a few players go down. Um, and they still have been hanging around. And like I said, they have a really easy schedule. Um, they do play the Yankees, but they, I think they still have a few more games against the Orioles. They have, they finish the season against, um, the Nationals. So they have, um, and they're done with the Blue Jays. Um, so they have, uh, they have a pretty manageable schedule. They're in a good spot right now. Um, they can control their fate a little bit playing the Yankees if they can put some distance between, um, themselves and the Yankees and the Blue Jays would appreciate that if they did that. Um, the, the, I think, you know, maybe the way that it's shaping up now, it's still a three-team race, but the way that things are trending right now, I think it's leaning in the direction of Boston and Toronto. That could change. Like, things could change so quickly in baseball. But the way that it's situated right now, you have Boston and Toronto in a wild-card spot. And like you said, the Yankees looking uh, on the outside looking in. Um, To me, I wouldn't be surprised if the season ends that way. 
I'm not a big believer in momentum, but the Yankees just aren't playing good baseball. They weren't playing good baseball when they played the Blue Jays last, when they got swept in four, for in four, over four games at home, and they have continued to not play good baseball. They haven't hit, they haven't slugged and, and hit the ball like they need to, um, as as you mentioned. Joey Gallo got hot, and then he got hurt, and he 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 came out of uh, Saturday's game early, and then didn't play here on Sunday. For the Yankees, interesting fact, and I, I don't mean I'm not going to share this, this this stat that I looked up to like demean uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. But people there, they, uh, because of the, some of the trade rumors and stuff that you know that you and I've talked about a bunch, and then some of the way that I uh, what's the word run my mouth a bit. Um, people com- people when Gurriel was going crazy and, and Joey Gallo was was awful. People were like you wanted to trade this Gurriel for Gallo, and I'm like yeah yeah that's right I did. Um, Joey Gallo has more walks since he joined the Yankees at the end of July than Lourdes Gurriel has in any one season in his entire career. He's already walked, he's walked 32 times uh, since he joined the Yankees, and Lourdes Gurriel has never walked more than 31 times in a season. Now, of course, he's been hurt, COVID, whatever. Doesn't make it any less the case. But the Yankees are a disaster, uh, frankly. They are in a they're in an absolute uh, horrible place. And the Red Sox should be, frankly, you know, by by all rights, the, the Red Sox should have collapsed for all the reasons you you said. You they they beat up on the Orioles. They beat the the living life out of the Orioles every day. I think they if, after today's win, they'll finish the season twelve or they're twelve and four so far this year against the Orioles. So they do have what's that? Three games left against the Orioles. Three games left against um, against the Yankees. The Red Sox. Uh, won the season series against the Blue Jays ten to nine, even though they were outscored by thirty runs <laughs> in those nineteen games. <sighs> but uh, yeah, I, I I can't I can't count the Yankees out, but they are making it harder for themselves by even just slipping back a little bit, a game and a half behind the Blue Jays with so few games to go. With a tough road, they have those games against the Blue Jays, but you you put so much as it's sort of to bring it full circle. What we talked about at the beginning, and the Blue Jays have done it, is like you put a lot of pressure on yourself to if you got to go in and 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 win like sweep a series. That's a that's hard to do. So if you are if you're two games back and you got and you go in and only win two out of three, you've only picked up one game. There's not a met that many games left. It's not early as the season, as the the saying goes. So. The Yankees are in tough, but uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would never count them out as much as I would like to. But uh, it doesn't look good for the Yankees or the A's or the Mariners. It never looked good for the Mariners, and yet here we are. <laughs> so, Caitlin, what do you got coming up this week for us that you can tip your hand a little bit without uh, without giving away any of your super top secret story ideas or things that are coming out? <laughs> yeah, I have a story coming out on monday about a certain blue jays pitcher who is having a good season uh wears tight pants likes to grunt on the mound those are the only the clue those are the only clues you get figure out who it is i will do my best (laughs) i will get out my pencil and my paper see if i can figure it out well that's exciting exciting always there's not enough uh 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 bobby bay content (laughs) out there so i I, i will look forward to that hmm yeah, and I'm not in Tampa. I'm not in Tampa, but I will be going to Minnesota. So uh, I'll be on the ground from Minnesota on Thursday. So I have not been to Minnesota. So that's I'll be checking off another 
city, another ballpark from my list. Uh, I got Baltimore done last week. I'm going to get, going to get Minnesota checked off. So that's exciting. I've never been twin cities. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that you would eat it. Um, but they have the thing that I always think about when I think about that ballpark is they have walleye on a stick. It's like a food concession that you can get, like fish on a stick. That'd be good. The weather will be good. I mean, if you are me, you are, and you are inclined to like love a good fall crisp. Who are what better place to be than the Twin Cities in the end of September? Pack a pack a thick coat. Yeah, pack my windbreaker. You'll probably need more than that. And my sweaters. And your and my sweaters. Hat. And my hat that I got from Camden Yards. Where your Orioles hat? And you'll, 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 be, you'll be that too. guy wearing the, the, the hat of the team that's not even involved in the game at all? Wow. No shame. No shame it's whatsoever. A, it's a neutral hat. You can't be more neutral than wearing an Orioles hat. They're barely, you know. That is a fact. <laughs> all right, Caitlin. Well, we look forward to hearing, reading your dispatches from Minnesota. Blue Jays have... As you said, the Rays starting Monday, and then four, right? Four against the Twins? Bro, that's a lot of games against the Twins. Three against Tampa, four against the Twins. Control their own destiny. If you're the Blue Jays, you just got to keep playing like you've been playing. To go, uh, well, Our prediction was three and three, right? We said if they go three and three against the Rays, then they're in. Mm-hmm. They've only got to win one of these, but it'd be nice to win two, though, at the same time, if you're the Blue yeah, Jays. Yeah, the Rays... Greedy. The Rays, um, I think they lost a series against Detroit. Um, they almost weekend. got swept. I think they came from. They had to come from behind in one of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the they did lose on Saturday and they won on Friday in extra innings. That's right. So they came behind. They came from behind on that Friday game, uh, scoring three in the ninth and then three more in the tenth to to beat yeah. uh, the the Lions. But they lost on Sunday, and then they and they lost on Sunday. Uh, so some of the Blue Jays have just have pitched really well against Tampa, uh, which you know is always great to see. You look at the Tampa lineup and you're like, well, of course they're pitching well. None of these guys can hit, but of course that's not how it works. As the Tampa Bay Rays are running away with the American, but my dream of the Blue Jays coming back to win the division did not last very long. <laughs> I was like, no. win them all, go back, but. Uh, there's they, just not enough runway. Like if there was like two more weeks to the season, maybe. But yeah. Well, the Blue Jays. Hey, they, oh, one thing: Blue Jays has secured a winning record with this uh, the 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 weekend series. I think they even did it before. But since we last talked, hey, way to go, the Blue Jays! Win more games than you lose. That's all you can ever really ask for. So read up on Caitlin's stories at, on the Athletic. Go to the Athletic.com/slash/spinrate and subscribe if you haven't already. Now is the time. Stretch, pen, and drive. Meaningful September content. As that's what we're all in the business for. And then we'll talk to you. There'll be another episode of Spin Rate coming out this week. Got to figure out a day and who we're going to talk to. I think I know <laughs> who we're going to talk to. We'll figure it out. So for her, name being Caitlin McGrath. For me, my name is, of course, Drew Fair Service. We will talk to you next time on Spin Rate.